Yes, 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 yes. Welcome to Talk Up The Ting, man. You know what I'm saying? We're live right now, man. Uh, shout out to CEO Drisky for letting me host this particular session, man. Uh, it's really important that, you know, this session right here felt like he had to be, you know, one of the guests, technically speaking, on his own show so that, you know, he can speak his mind. And we have a couple brothers with us, too. So we're going to start with an introduction right here uh, to my right guy and, and introduce yourself and let the people know who you are. Hey, this is your boy Marcos on the mic. All right, man, this is your boy Drisky, man. I represent for my son and my daughter. All right, this is Edwin. Uh, he got four kids on Instagram. Awesome, <laughs> awesome, man. Shout out to the boys, man. So so today's topic, man, we're talking about fatherhood, right? You know, right now I'm not a father, but, you know what I'm saying, I, I one day hope to be. So we have three brothers right now who are fathers, uh, who are in the kids' life. And I feel like, you know, ladies, you should really listen to you know this session, especially to get a man's perspective of what it is like fatherhood is, you know what I'm saying? And uh, those of y'all that's inspiring to be fathers, you know, it's great to, and even those that are already fathers, like it's great to hear other father's perspective on things so we're gonna hit it off right now with the first question um so we're gonna start from day one right when you first got that call text or or hey we need to have a face-to-face conversation and she told you she was pregnant what was your immediate reaction (laughs) um man i ain't gonna lie to you man i I remember that first day like you know i'm saying like she called me i was driving on bush you know and and she called me and she was like hey pick up some pregnancy tests Oh, mm. and I was like, uh, Is that for you or for somebody else, like, bro. Whoosh. I was thinking, but she like she wouldn't, she didn't, she didn't tell me she was pregnant. She didn't say, "Oh, I'm pregnant." She was like, "Just pick up some pregnancy tests, and meet me at your house." Damn, you know. So I'm like, mm, I went, I went into CVS. I remember it like, like CVS on Bush Fifty Six. I went mm. into CVS on Bush Fifty Six, and I was picking up pregnancy tests. I picked up like three different different pregnancy tests, and. I met her, I met her at my house and, um, and then she went into the bathroom. I was trying to go in the bathroom with her and she was like, no, 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 no. And I was like, all right, all right. She came out and, and she was silent, bro. Like she was silent. And at that moment while she was silent, she was like, I took two tests and the line showing and I'm looking at the lines. And at that moment, I'm like, I don't know what these lines mean. You know what I'm saying? Like, (laughs) yeah, right. You don't don't teach that in school. How you read that? (laughs) I don't know what the lines mean. And, and, and I'm like, uh, she was like, yeah, I think I'm pregnant. And I was like, you know what? Listen, listen, we, 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 we're not going to be the professional to this. Let's mm-hmm. book our appointment. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. let's go to the doctor. But before that, when she walked out, eye water was running down my eyes. Oh, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Like, it was raining outside, right? It, it was raining because at that moment, I'm like, that moment, I, to tell you the truth, I was like, man, I lost my my freedom, you know what I'm saying? I lost my freedom, yes. you know, like, but you know, I just felt like that was the first moment, and 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 I was shocked. Oh, definitely, my first emotion for it was fuck <laughs> for, <laughs> for for all of my four kids. It, it was the same reaction because it comes unexpectedly. You like you don't know, and most like especially for my third, I'm there chilling. Me and my girl, my future wife, we went and got dinner, and all of a sudden she comes out the bathroom like, uh. I'm pregnant, and I'm like, what? Dum dum dum. Do you want to catch up with your fries? <laughs> <laughs> so, like, stop playing with me, yeah, girl. It, it, it comes as a surprise, but you, as a, I always say, as a parent, you're you never prepared. It always comes as a surprise to you. So, oh yeah, that was my first reactions. Uh, uh, shout out USF, go Bulls! Go <laughs> Bulls! Oh, <laughs> yes, go Bulls! The setting of this story uh, <laughs> happened outside of Epsilon Hall. Like, I don't oh, know, sure. Epsilon is oh, no longer yeah. there. Shout out to mm. Zay. So, Zay. Shout oh, out oh, to oh, Hall. Hello. She got pregnant outside of. Listen, <laughs> let me tell the story. Let me tell the story. No, so you know, Epsilon Hall is where I lived, 
And at this point in time, you get that text, hey, come outside. Oh, and, you know, I didn't, I didn't have a car that, at that time. I was broke. So, you know, <laughs> I come out to her car, and I sit in the passenger side, and she's like, listen, I'm pregnant. What do you want to do? It's like deep, right? So at that point in time, you know, you got Angel on one side, Devil on the, uh, on the other side. It's like, yo, this woman just asks you, what do you want to do, right? So the way I was raised and the way I've always realized, you know, I, I make choices. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be decisive. Right. So I decided, you know what? All right, yeah, we're, we're going to have this kid. And, you know, three months later, became became kids because they, they were <laughs> twins. And, uh, you know, at that point in time, it was more of a shock. But uh, my first thought was just, you know, I had two roads. You know, do I go left or go right? Do I go the way that I was born and raised to go and make sure these kids grow up right? Or do I go to the ways where, I, you know, I cop out? And, uh, you know, thankfully, God willing, you know, I, I chose the right way. So you you mentioned Epsilon Hall. So when you got that mess, when you got that 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 message from her, like how did that affect your education? I mean, at that point in time, you know, unfortunately, you know, there's double standards in this life, right? As a male, you know, it, it didn't slow me down. It didn't slow me down too much. You know, I, I don't have to miss school, you know, because I'm showing. I don't have to miss school because I have morning sickness. But at that point in time, you know, I kept moving. I kept moving like you know what how I was moving. You know, I was being arrogant, being all about myself, still in my fraternity life, and doing things with that and and. And school didn't skip a beat, you know, at that point in time. You know, I didn't take a semester off, and then we, I, I still graduated on time. You know, thankfully, she still graduated on time, too. Nice. But it was different. It was different degrees of work and, like, struggles for the both of us. So, you know, I was a, quite an absent person throughout the pregnancy. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, you know, due to stress, you know, the kids came early. And uh, to this day, you know, I, I feel some kind of way about that. And we'll get to that, you know, a little bit later. What year was that? What year was that? Uh, 2005, about 2005. Okay, yeah. okay, 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 all right, all right. That's okay, because I remember yeah. you, bro, like, you know what I'm saying, like, you was just, you know what I'm saying, like, you was living it up, so yeah. I, I, yeah. I I, just wanted to know, like, like how you took that, like, hey, man, listen, mm. shoot, I mean, bro. if we're being real, shout out to the Blue Stars, you know, mm. I, I can't front, <laughs> you know, at that point in time, you know, I was I was living a fraternity life, and, uh, you know, I just crossed. Uh, five minutes and we turn it incorporated. And at that point in time, you know, that was my life. I that made that juice. That was that juice. That was that juice. I had the juice. You know, it's, it's like the movie juice. Yo, you got the juice now. <laughs> like, like I had the juice, right? And so at that point in time, like I, I did not consider anything outside of that. And it's, it's exactly what the word you said. My freedom is gone. Yeah, so like when you feel that, yeah. you got two options: fight or flight. It's <laughs> <laughs> fight or flight, right? Do you face this thing that is taking away your freedom? And be sure to manage it, or do you run away and try to regain what you thought was just your life? That was so at that girl. point in time, for quite some time, about an hour, you like, I mean, an hour, about a year, like I, I <laughs> it was flight, it was flight for me, and I and I dove deeper and deeper into just myself, and uh, you know, there were some negative aspects and in, into that in regards to uh, my kids, but. At that point in time, man, it was all about me. And, uh, you know, thank you. I was that Neo life. Yes, <laughs> that Neo life, man. That's another topic. <laughs> so, so you guys, you know, you found the news and, and now you're accepting that, you know, baby's on the way. And, mm-hmm. and you know, most is nine months later. Your case was a little different, Edwin. But, mm-hmm. you know, that delivery day, were you in the delivery room? How was that that mm-hmm. birthday like for y'all? Oh, man. Well, I have a... It's, it's crazy for me because I have four different stories. Um, But yeah. for my daughter, the original, I was there for my daughter. I watched that from start to finish. And that, that was, was your some, first child? That No, that was my second, second child. Okay. My first child missed because I was way at school. And mm-hmm. so I couldn't be there. My second child, I was for that. And that was a C-section. And that was pretty gruesome to oh, yeah. see yeah. 
Uh, from a man pre- um, perspective, perspective. Mm-hmm. seeing that from like start to finish, that was like, oh, that was pretty <laughs> tough. But so that molded me from my other my other two kids not to be there for that. So I forgo all that stuff. <laughs> so you were like, smart okay, move on no, purpose. Yeah, once I seen that the sounds first bad. Time, that was good enough. Out loud. All right, it was good enough right. for me. Now was that something that you know the mother of your child agreed with? Okay, you know you're not you feel some type of way about being in the delivery room. Or did she knew that you weren't gonna be there? Or was like you just don't don't um, show up at all. Well, they wanted me in the room, but I finessed my way where I can wiggle out because you know the nurse was like, "Well, do you want to take a friend this time?" And each every time I found a way to wiggle myself out so I could be like, "Well, I'm just gonna wait here, wait till the baby's already cleaned up and okay. out, and so they come to me." So that was so you were in the hospital waiting. You just not in oh the room. yeah, I'm okay. not in the room. I'm in okay. the hospital at least. Yeah. Gotcha. 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 <laughs> Well, for, for me, for me, I, I think that, we, you know, once you went to the doctor appointments and like they, they tell you that, oh, hey, this is the day that we're going to have the baby. And then the baby did, did not, did not came on that day. So they had to induce her, you know, and at once we, we set up like that morning, it was like, hey, man, we going to the doctor. We got to be a doctor at, at, at six o'clock. So we left the house at five o'clock in the morning because um, my, my, the mother of my child, you know, like her mom, rest in peace to her. You know, like she was a nice person, and like at that moment, I wanted to be a dad, and and I wanted this up to be a dad so much. I told her that we stayed at her house that night, and I and we all head into the hospital, and I said, "Hey, listen, you're gonna drive in your own car, and she's gonna drive with me." So she was following behind me while we driving there, but once we got there. My heart is like boom, 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 boom. You know, so but once we got there, like we got in there, we got into the into into delivery room, and like you know, like that moment where she was going through, like you know, they you say dilated one centimeter, two centimeter, three centimeter. You know, so like, and I'm going through that from five o'clock in the morning, and she, I remember she said to me, she was like, um, I cannot eat. You ain't gonna be able to eat nothing either. You know what I'm saying? Like we're in this together. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, no, for Bad real. boys for life. <laughs> so she was eating ice, and she was like, "That's the only thing you're gonna be eat, eating all day." And her family looking at me like, "It's not a joke. It's not a joke." <laughs> and um, at that moment, like I, 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 I was so much want to see that child. You know what I'm saying? Because, because before I. I I, I was told it's gonna be a boy, and I was so excited. Like I was so excited. You no, know, I'm gonna have a son. The first because growing up, I was like, oh, I always don't have a son. So that that moment, like, but I was hungry. But but at that moment, everyone looking at me was like, you didn't hear what she said. She, you, she's the boss right now. Oh, yeah. You're not gonna eat. Oh, yeah. You know. So she went from that moment to 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 to, to going to inducing, um, and then in one centimeter, two, we went up all nine centimeters, and they was like, you know what? Her blood pressure dropping. At that moment, her blood pressure is dropping. You know, they said, we're going to have to go into a C-section. You know what I'm saying? Once we go into a C-section, now I have to jump in my suit and get ready to go. You know, and that moment right there, going in there just to see that moment where she's getting cut, you know, like, and and they pulling the baby out, mm-hmm. you know, like, w- w- was was a moment for me just to look and see what a woman go through, mm-hmm. you know, absolutely, like, just to see what absolutely. a woman go through. And also just to look and recognize that baby and knowing that that baby is mine and that's a new life that I'm bringing to the world, you know, and how I'm gonna, you know, at that moment I'm reflecting. I'm like, damn, like, shoot, do I need to learn everything today? Mm. And I remember her dad was like, "What you over there thinking about?" <laughs> <laughs> like, like, but at that moment, like, I, I was, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't fully ready for the situation, but I was winging it. Yeah, mm-hmm. 
Oh no, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Now, after going through a, a day like this and seeing, you know, what uh, the mother went through, I know this is about fatherhood, but like, how much respect have you gained for the mother of your ch- children, knowing that she went through that? And you, you can even sit like through ten minutes of that, right? And she, <laughs> she had to do it for nine months, and then that day, you know, some women get in labor for like hours and hours. So, how much respect have you gained for the mother of your children, just by them being in that room specifically in that day? Mad respect. Uh, what they are the best gladiators on this oh, earth. Absolutely. <laughs> so, because I couldn't even do it. Absolutely. Shout out. But yeah, it's it's pretty intense from what they go through. Yeah, and to say for a man to go through that, mm, yeah, I don't think he would make it. Not even the no. first hour. No, not <laughs> at all. And uh, you know, to just jump into my my story, you know, four kids. So you know, four kids, three pregnancies. And at this point in time, you know, the first one I would say is the most eventful, so to speak, because I was the first one when I was mm-hmm. in college and it ended up being twins. Now, they were born premature, roughly six months. And, you know, to tell the story throughout would be a, be a quite a time. I tell it to my students in my class and I tell it to my kids. But eventually uh, what ended up happening was stress brought it along, you know. And, uh, you know, if, I, if I'm telling the tale, which I am, the stress that I put upon right. the mother of my kids brought it on early. And so something about me in my wild times, you know, neophyte, that kind of thing. You know, I was in a club. I, I was outside and I was drinking heavy. And something happened that night where I was like, I got to change this. I can't keep doing this. And I had prayed to God. I was like, God, give me an opportunity to get better. And one of my line brothers who doesn't necessarily go to church often nor invites me said, hey, you want to go to church with me? I said, yeah. And I was there and I cried in that, in that church. And I cried and I prayed, God, give me an opportunity to be better. Give me an opportunity to step up. When that church session ended, I had about eight missed calls, four voicemails, and they were all from the mother of my kid's mother. Hurry up and come. The babies are coming. Oh. I'm in Tampa at this point in time. They're in Daytona. I'm broke. I ain't got a car. And so I had to ask this brother who invited me to church, yo, I'm sorry about this, but can you drive me to Daytona? He's like, yo, no problem. Jump in the car. Get, get what we need to get. So we run, we get what we need to get. I'm praying constantly, God, please make sure they're okay. And as we're on the road to Daytona, we're, we're rushing, we're trying to get there. I'm praying constantly, and I get to the hospital. I rush up to the to the nurse's office. I ask, you know, where is this person at? I rush up to the, to the stairs, and I get to the actual, you know, the veil where they have the person there, and I mm-hmm. pull back the veil, and nobody's there. And at this point in time, I have no idea what happened to What's my going on? And my kids... The, the mother of my kids, I have no idea what's happening. They let me know they've been flown to to Jacksonville, Shands, because it's wow. premature and, you know, they've been flown to a NICU. And, you know, there's so many things that go into your mind at this point in time because, like I already stated, the stress that brought along the early birth was on me. So now me not even knowing what's happening with my kids or their mother is on me heavy and I have no idea what's happening. So, you know, my, my, my friend can take me the rest of the way. I get in the car with the mother-in-law. You know, that's an awkward drive right to Jacksonville, right? Oh. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we st- we get up there, and thankfully, God, you know, you know, short story, uh, long story short, you know, they're okay. They're okay. And at this point in time, they're 14 years old. They're teenagers in uh, high school rocking it out, right? But at this point in time, like, I just to look back on that origin story, right, I just feel blessed that God saw fit my kids to survive when so many don't survive premature births Mm -hmm. and for me to step up and be the man i'm supposed to be and be a good father from then on so 
Amen, brother. Amen. Amen. So, you know, you know, thank God that you know. Sometimes when you when you ask God for a sign, He He, he provided for you. Absolutely, it's time to take action and, mm-hmm. and and you know make a make the promise and carry through out carry, uh, carry out with the promise that you made. Amen. Um. So, the baby is born now, and and you know the doctor or the mother put it the baby on your arms. Like, how was that first feeling of holding your own child on your arms? Like, man, I promise you, what I'm about to say to you right now. Don't judge me, bro. I'm we gonna judge you. you. Judgment's we, 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 coming. I <laughs> promise you. Listen, the judgment is coming. Listen, whose man's is this? Listen, I, I got my hands. I'll fight, bro. Like really, like. So the moment that the baby came, right? Like for real, like like. So I'm watching the baby. They pull the baby out. There's like, okay, it's okay for you to come over now. So I'm looking at my son. Like I'm looking at my son, and he's looking at me, and I thought he was about to smile to me. He he looked at me. He gave me the little eyes. Boom. No smile, but he, he opened up his eyes at me. And then the pee just shot right under my chin. Oh. <laughs> yeah, you got to be ready. Yeah. Bro. He blessed boom. you early. Yeah. Gotcha. He's like, hey, daddy. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was a moment that I, I really had. I know the doctor was there right there, but I talked to the mom about it because she didn't see that. And I, I didn't talk to nobody about it for a long time because... You, You've been peed on by somebody, bro. Like it's like tough. Yeah, a little embarrassing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but eventually, I was able to grow from that, you know, because that's my child. That's someone that I love more than I love myself. And I don't care what nobody say because I love him more than myself. So yes. so at that moment, I, I accept that, and and nobody can send unto me. But that moment was so precious to me, and I talked to him about it. I'm like, bro, when you was born, you peed on mm. me, bro. Like, don't you ever so, do that again? Yeah. Just to let you know. He looked at me. He was like, Daddy, I did that. <laughs> yes, you did. You know what I'm saying? So that that moment was very crucial, man. That is the best pee on me story. I've ever <laughs> I, I gotta say that right hey, now. That's I bet you are killing not saying that. that that's, a, that's the best one. I've never known anyone be so proud after being pissed off. That is the best one right there. Hey, I man. Well, for my story, well, for each of my kids, it's a little different because for me, I never got pissed on. But, <laughs> but, but you know, that one time when you hold them, it's that moment of this is me. This is, this is not, this is, I want to give this person everything they want. In their life, I want to provide them with that future. When that when that looking and they're so small and fragile, and you just barely holding them because you think you're gonna you're gonna break them. That moment, just for me, that was every moment I held my child. I was like, this is the moment I'm going to give, try to give you everything you want and everything you need in life because that's what I want you to have. It was a very it was a very touching moment for me for all my kids. So yeah. I already always hold that in my memory because I'm like, that's the moment I decided, hey. I'm going. I'm going to be that guy for you. I'm going to be your support line, so you never have to worry. Absolutely. I remember that. Uh, not to turn it down, but uh, <laughs> just to end the rest of the story, uh, I missed the birth of my twins, my firstborn. I, I missed it, and um, because they had been born premature, you know, they were born two pounds, mm. and so I I could not hold them, and for a long time that was very difficult. Uh, maybe about a month in. Until I can hold them and feel as if like they were mine, because literally the palm of my hand, right. that was about the size that mm. uh, what they were, and so it was a lot of guilt during that time frame from from then until they eventually came home, which is roughly one to three months. Um, but for that time frame, and and even for my 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 subsequent kids, after a while, you know, when I became the full fledged father that I knew I w- I needed to be for these kids, you know, that first introduction, right? It's like that meet cute. 
mm-hmm. of, a, of a movie, right? Mm-hmm. It's like it's magical. You remember it, right? You hold them and you go, okay, you're mine. I'm protecting you for the rest of your lifetime. And uh, it's something that nobody can can reimagine. It's wonderful. Let me ask you a question, Edwin, because you, you had mentioned, you know, you weren't the best father in the beginning. And you, you know, shout out to you for opening up and, and taking responsibility as a man for the stress you caused to the mother of your child to, you know, cause that premature, uh, you know, birth. Now, do you think that that guilt that you felt what contributed to the fact that you weren't the best father in the beginning of their uh, of their lives? Yeah, absolutely. Because guilt alone will not turn you to do what's right. Guilt would just make you feel bad for a while. Right. And then after a couple of days, you're like, all right, well, you know, where we at tonight? Mm-hmm. And then you're back to doing wrong. So for me, guilt made me feel bad. But the only thing that turned me around and say, hey, you have to change who you are. And as humans, we realize, okay, it's hard to change. Although change is constant, it's hard to change who you are. Mm-hmm. I, fortunately, I was introduced to the game changer, which was Jesus Christ. And Amen. he changed <laughs> fundamentally, you know, who I decided I wanted to be. Because, again, I always go back to choice. It's always a choice. So when I chose Jesus Christ, that's when the work began to change in me. And over time, I changed who I was so that I can be a better person for my kids, so I can be a better person for uh, my now wife. And eventually, it, the guilt would not take me that far. Guilt could not take you that far. O- only the Holy Spirit could take me that far. Gotcha. Amen. Mm-hmm. Now, um, transition to becoming like the dude, the man, you know, and on campus or wherever we're at the time, you know, living your freedom. What was the biggest adjustment from being just a regular dude, regular guy, chilling with your boys and enjoying, you know, uh, Greek life and whatever else we were doing to becoming a father? So what was that biggest adjustment like? Oh, I would say the responsibility. Because when you're living out, I didn't live the Greek life, but I was surely partying and stuff like that. It was that. adjacent. You're a Greek life adjacent. <laughs> you came to a couple of parties. Yeah. <laughs> but I would say it's the responsibility because you have to learn, you know, when, like, they always say, put those childish things away yes. and then, you know, pick up those things. You have to learn, you know, when that party is not needed and we'll, well, how you said in the last session, you know, when you should not have to babysit your own kids. You find those, you find those adjustments where, you know, things slowly start to change. Your perceptives, your perceptions start to change. Your, you know, where you know the, where your head, your hair frame is. You know, you that starts to change because it starts moving from just me to okay, I'm this example for this smaller life or these lives. I have to set example. I have to show them well not to end up to be, or I show them what they want to be and show and show them that path. So. That was like the biggest adjustment for me, you know, just stopping like, hey, okay, it's not about you no more. It's about this smaller person to get them where they where they need to be, so they can do all the things that you want them to do. Right. So, definitely, man. It's, and I'll piggyback off you, man. Definitely, it's about knowing that you you care about someone more than you care about yourself. Yes. Now you just brought a ch- you just brought 
a life in this world, man, and it's so beautiful. And and also now you, you, you're you not just looking at that woman and said, hey, listen, you are my woman, but also you also brought a child and you are holding that child and you are keeping that child and I need to be there to support you. It make you feel guilty. You know what I'm saying? It make you feel guilty when you're not there. Yes, I still did party and enjoy myself, but there there's time that I'm like, man, listen, no, nah, I need to stop. Listen, I'm going to be there. I usually, this is what I, I break down life and I'm like, listen, hold on. I'm going to be there all day, support you. But listen, sometime when my when my LBs call, I'm like, I'm out here. Like, <laughs> oh, it's fast. <laughs> like, it is tough, man. Like, mm. it is tough. Like, yeah. because like, it's kind of like smoking. Like, you can't just tell someone, like, hey, man, quit smoking. Mm. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can't do that. Like, you know what I'm saying? And, and at that moment, but, but at that moment, I at least I acknowledge what was going on. And the moment I was taking myself away from the situation and be like, you know what? All for my kid. You know, I, I, I can't just want to have a child because sometimes people just like, man, oh my God, I'm a father now. Okay, no, the work just start. <laughs> you yeah. know, like, yeah. you know, like, so that was the moment for me, man. Like, I had to like regroup and I had to figure out myself and learning that, hey, if you really say you care about this child and you care about this woman who have this child, be the man who about it. Facts. 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 so hard to tell the LBs I can't go out. <laughs> <I know. laughs> it's it's so tough, right? Because like you're still in that life, but then you have a new life that you haven't decided yet I'm going to live for this new life. So you're still in between. And so, you know, for me living that in between life for for a while, you know, I'm a shot at another uh, place. I think it's still the campus lodge. Living in the campus lodge <laughs> life, <laughs> you know, you start to realize, okay, all right, campus I'm still lodge. doing my own thing having fun but when am i making time to be a good father mm. mm -hmm. and i find i found myself not knowing when that was I, I was more focused in on having a good time with the line brothers and having a good time with you know whoever one had to have a good time but at that point in time i was not even given 50 percent, you know to being a good father so you know it came unfortunately for me you know i, I guess in my mind i'm set up like a milestone kind of person I had set up in my head that, hey, once I graduate, I'm going to get better. All right, once I graduate and I get away from my line brothers and get away from the party scene, I'm going to get a little better. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, that happened, you know, slowly, but it happened. And at that point in time, I started to realize, okay, that 70% you was given to fraternity life and being just about Edwin, let's start to move that to being a good father. Let's start to move that to being a provider. And start to move that to making sacrifices so that you're there for your kids. You know, and that took me everywhere, back to Miami, back to Tampa, and it took me all around the way. But once I made that decision that, all right, time to stop playing games. Like you said, stop time to put childish things down, start being a man. Once a man makes that decision, and no one can say when that happens, but you know, ladies, and I'll say that I'll say that to all ladies. I don't know what patience looks like and how many years that looks like for you. Once a man finally decides, all right, I'm done, and he moves on to being a man, that's growth. Facts, facts, facts. Tabernacle. Speaking Tabernacle. of, <laughs> speaking of, um, you know, being fathers, how how important do you, you know, is it to be for a child to have a father figure in their life to be, especially the you know the sometimes the father figure is not the biological dad, but how important is it to for the biological dad himself to become that positive father figure and a role model for the child for the children. Mm. 
I, I, I believe that that's very big. You know, like I kind of I grew up with my with, with with a house full of guys. Like really, my, my my sister was the only girl in the house. I had my my uncle, which was close in age. My brother, my cousin. You know what I'm saying? Like so. It, it was big, like, and I felt like I had to grow to, like, to to be a father figure for to my sister, even though she was older than me. You know, I remember days like I had to, like, you know, talk to my sister about things, and she wanted to talk. But now I have my my, my daughter. When, when when after my after my first child and my second child, which is my daughter, you know, not when I looked at her, man, like I promise you, like I wanted a son from the jump. But then when I had my daughter, I learned how much I appreciate that because guess what happened? You looking at that woman and you don't want no other man to look at her the way, like, you know, like you start thinking of things that you did in the past and you'd be like, ain't nobody going to do that to my, mm -hmm. to, to, to my daughter. So I appreciate that moment and those moments I can have with her even now when I look at her and she talked to me and she said, Daddy, you are my best friend. You know, when, and when I would like, it's tough to, to hear that. You love it, but, but there's a lot comes with it because when a woman say, when, I, when, when your daughter say, you're my best friend, that means, guess what happened? She's your daughter. You love her, right? So now you have to protect her and you right. have to teach her the right things and you have to open up to her because if you don't somebody else will or yes. she will find out because yeah. social media are crazy these days yes. so it, it 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 is it is a tough one man but you have to you you have to get you got to get to it because if not it's gonna get to her mm -hmm. definitely for real for real definitely for me um i believe uh for walt from what i learned and what i grew up with you know that always it's always good to have a, a, a black world male role model because there's so many it's so, it's so less of us in there and actually it's so less of us showing a good example so we're always needing that good male role model but for me it's very important because like you said you have a daughter i have a daughter and my main thing is to show her exactly what you want and what you do not want mm -hmm. and you know like they say you know whatever you done it comes back to Come you three, threefold. Mm -hmm. So don't say that. <laughs> so, so, ho so hopefully, so hopefully, I I do something right to show her hey, exactly what you do not want in life and what you really do want in life. So I feel it's very important, you know, from every aspect, and also for also for my boys to show them exactly hey what you should grow up to be to treat women like instead of treating women like what some dudes portray nowadays. So. That's a good point because I I don't know about for you guys but like I had made a pact to myself that when my 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 daughters get to a certain age I am gonna give them every ounce of the game, game. that I utilize. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. And you know I'm not trying to say I had game. I'm just trying to say like what I went through. Mm -hmm. I'm going to show them what that looks like so that if you see a sheep in wolf's clothing. You know what it looks like. You've identified it. Your daddy already told you what it looked like. Yeah. You know, so you know all the ugly gory stories. They're gonna get it because eventually, I I I do want them to. I'm not gonna say say find someone like me, but I, I do want them to find somebody who, based on what their dad taught them, based on what the word is showing them, that they find someone that mirrors a man of God, mm. that they find someone that mirrors what they would want in a spouse. And someone that they want to engage in and ultimately be one flesh in and they can trust to steer the rest of their life. That's deep. Right. Like these days, yeah. No. Yeah. we're dating, right? Mm -hmm. Girls are dating. So when my 
my daughters get of age where they want to quote unquote date, they're dating with intent. Right. They're not dating because they're bored or they want a meal or they want to find someone who's got funny jokes. You know, the only fans. And you know, it's funny you mentioned that because like even before this, I saw a meme where people were like, why do men who need therapy start podcasts? (laughs) <laughs> and, my, and you know there was some more to that you know, you know tag the meme and you know, get the rest. but honestly <laughs> this is a bit of therapy because when men get together we can sharpen each other amen and share That's wisdom amen. with one another and ultimately the things that we say right now may never have been said if there wasn't a platform and a medium like this Facts. so that eventually like all we're saying we all did our did our dirt and we don't quote unquote want to, c- to come back to haunt us, right? So that we became better men. And now we want to show our daughters how to look out for those men mm-hmm. and find some diamonds in the rough. Amen. My, my, I got a two-part question, right? So the fathers that you guys are striving to be and, and putting their work every day to be, did you have that growing up? And whether you did or not, how did that impact your own father, like your, your own parental, you know, uh, characteristics? Um. For me, my mom, she was a single mom. My only, well, I wouldn't say my only, but at my time, my dad was there, but he wasn't really a present as I would like them to be. Okay. You know, my my only male role models were probably my grandfather and my uncles at the time. And my only main, my only main thought in my head always growing up was, you know, since my parents not together, I'm going to try to strive to do that. I'm going to try to strive so... My kid, when he comes to that point, when my kids ask, like, oh, man, I want to see my dad. I want to do this. I will be there. I will be in touch. So I guess, like, my situation growing up, it guided me to be the man I wanted to be or, you know, make the changes. Because, like you said, we all did our dirt, but we all came to that one moment where it's like, okay, this uh, this this person is bigger than me. I got to strive to do better. Let me do better. So, Mostly it was it was mostly my kids, but my situation how I grew up, I was I wanted to provide for my kids. I wanted to be that person since I never had it myself. So, right. so that was for me. Gotcha. More for me was like I kind of grew up in Jamaica, and it, it I felt like my community made me who I am. Like my dad was always there, but he never really like teach me anything, you know. Like and um, no knock on my dad or nothing like that, but he never he never taught me anything like that. My community, I watch I watch people in my community and how they be, how they grow, like they they treat their kids, and I start feeling bad. Like even when I came to America, I start feeling really bad, like about how my friends in high school used to talk about their about their dad oh my dad about to do this for me my dad about to do it for me like damn like shit like i I, I, i'm trying to make myself happy so Mm -hmm. i do things to make myself happy but my dad wasn't there to make me happy and it kind of made me feel some type of way but i had my brothers and sisters you know my sister was older so when my sister left the house my two brothers were still there i had to be a happy to be a father figure to them so I, I i had to stop being sorry for myself and try to make them happy you know like okay how can i be a better brother also being a better role model you know and also you so they they, they so when i watch them blossoming now i'm like i like that you know like 
So the father figure was was my community, but also me learning from that was helped me help me to be a better man, or actually a better child at that moment because I mm. probably was only sixteen when I was telling my brothers, "Hey man, listen, listen, you gotta do this, you gotta do that," because my mom had to work so hard, man, like really had to work so hard, and I appreciate my mom for how hard she worked, but you know what I'm saying I had to pick up those 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 extra extra shift for my mom and be like, "Hey, listen." My brother, I had to teach him everything, you know, and, and if you ask him today, they'd be like, damn, shoot, bro, you, you did that. Mm-hmm. Respect, respect, respect. Yeah. And, you know, it's, I feel like I got to say this because although, you know, we're from a different generation, it feels, mm-hmm. right? You know, because I feel like currently the tide is, t- is changing. Mm-hmm. Brothers are stepping up and being the fathers they got to be. Male role models are, are present. Like, they are in this generation, the ones, you know, after us, they are present and they are there. So the whole myth and uh, story and the narrative around absent fathers, you know, African-Americans who are just not there, that's changing. But, you know, not to follow the same time frame, but, like, I grew up in a two-parent household. And although my father was present, he was present in physical vision. Physically. Yeah. Right? And, and, and you Haitian. So, you, yeah. you, you know, you already know where we're going with <laughs> yeah. right? Like, so... So, you know, when it comes to actual communication and rearing of a child, right, you know, we communicated in, you know, mums and murmurs, you know. Okay. To this day, yeah. if I have a five-minute conversation with my dad, I'm like, dang. We Success. Spoke, we spoke for five minutes? Success. <laughs> right? So, I mean, and, and again, not to knock our fathers, but our fathers from our generation, they came here with a job to do. Right. They had to, prov- they had to provide. Mm. I tell a story, you know, with my elementary kids called two hundred dollars, and that's a long story for the time. But eventually, it, it basically tells the story of when I was a kid and I saw my father as this. I did not like him because he did not communicate with me and provide the way I thought a father should. Mm-hmm. But when I got older and I became a father myself, and I look back on my dad and why he quote unquote wasn't able to, I noticed he was getting up at four a.m. in the morning and getting on the bus to provide for us and getting at home roughly four p.m. And then being tired, because you know that's physically backbreaking, right. and not having necessarily the the wherewithal to communicate with us. So although we don't blame our dads, we are a product of our environment, and so that shaped me in uh, thinking one of two ways. You know, I feel like everyone they're, they're either a product of their environment and they decide to do things because of, or they decide to do things in spite of. Um, mm-hmm. So you know, for me, I felt like when I became a parent, I made it my mission to be as vocal as possible. Because I felt like I didn't have a, a parent who was vocal. Although I had a parent who was a super provider. and He did the job he was supposed to do mm-hmm. coming to this country and raising first generation kids who uh, went to college and became first generation uh, high school graduates, college graduates. He did his job. My job in his legacy is to push it further, mm-hmm. to make the next step. So I don't fault him for what he was not able to do. I praise him for what he was able to do. Now mm-hmm. I'm That's Definitely true. So with, with you know, any challenge, right, there's, there comes lessons. So, you know, obviously from day one to where you guys now are now in, in your maturation of, you know, manhood to fatherhood, what's the biggest or best lesson have you learned over those years? Time management. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what is that? Yeah, elaborate on that. Oh, man. Um, 
uh, I guess time because it it all go back to time management because you know also you you you're a person first so you you have to make sure you're right before you know because like I always tell my wife you know you can't have a broken leg and teach somebody else how to walk you have to make sure you're there physically made there make sure you're there mentally so you can do those things that you want for your loved one so definitely manage that time manage the time which you could take where you can get breaks yourself because you know being a parent it's a lot you know just being there watching your kid tick tock seven hours you know <laughs> consistently it takes a lot out of you so you got to make sure you manage your time make sure you're rested make sure you have enough time so you're good and then make sure you set aside time for that child like because always some people think oh okay I'm I'm at home. My kid, the TV's on. I'm spending time with my kid. And I'm doing that. You're not really spending time with your kid. You're basically like we say, a you're babysitting baby your yes. kid. You know, you got to manage that time where you're putting effort in. Like, find out the likes of your kids. Find out what they don't like. Find out, you know, what makes them tick. Find out what makes them want to wonder. You got to put that time in. Just manage that time because. No, a lot of parents now, because it's always that work, work, grind. You know, you got to provide for your kids. And there's not a lot of time. You know, kids don't understand, you know, you have the work to make money. But the only thing they're worrying about, that time that you put into them, that time that yes. you talk to them, the time that you find out what little what little things they learned at school today. Those are the times in, like, many times, you know, with us partying that we miss as, you know, our kids got older and then we start realizing Hey, you know, we're missing valuable and very important times in these chill kids' lives that make them tick. So always from, from my point of view, time management. Manage that time. Get some time so you can be, you know, rested, recuperated, so you can give these, t- these kids enough time to give them the attention they need so they can flourish, just like a plant. Right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Definitely, man. I feel like, you know, just be patient, man, like, and, and be understanding because a lot of, a lot of time what we need to understand, sometimes we have to put the phone, the phones away, you know, like just shut it down, you know, like, because these kids are listening to you, you know what I'm saying they don't have no, no one else to like, to go report to or anything like that. So if, if the moment that you pull away from those kids, you got to understand that you're pulling away these knowledge, you don't get them back. Like mm-hmm. they, what you give to them is what they have, you know, what you put into them, that's what they're going to produce. So I, I think that in life, what I learned from my kids and what I learned for myself being a father is more about like how much how much I'm willing to sacrifice for these kids and how much I'm willing to give to these kids and how much I'm willing to learn from these kids because your kids you still got to learn from them because this generation right now is changing and it's not the same like our parents was or how how for our generation so we got to be able to understand and be able to be open because if you're if you're not listening to your kids guess what happened you you, you're just gonna have a situation where you're gonna have an off and on with with your kids because I remember Remember me with my parents. I'm like, mm, I don't understand, mom. You know, like, and 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 that's the moment where where you gotta learn because you learn from your parents. You gotta think about it. The moment you can sit back and listen, that's the most important thing. Listen. Yes. Because mm-hmm. if you don't listen, guess what happened? You're just gonna be that parent who just gonna keep doing what you wanna do, and then your your kids gonna keep doing what they wanna do. But the moment you listen from your kids, you'll be able to teach them what they need to know. Yes, absolutely. Definitely. And, yeah. That is in the same vein, change is inevitable. Right. You have to be open and willing to move with where your kids move. 
So, for example, you know, my kids, I have twins who are now 14. And so what I was able to do to connect with them when they were five is different what I what I tried to do when they were 11. It's different what I'm trying to do when they're 14 now, which, you know, honest, I'm struggling with. You know, so it's like, for example, like you, you just spending time and reading a book to your kid when they're five, they love it. They eat it up because it's brand new. When they, when they don't want to read a book with you anymore at eight, what do you do? All right, I guess I, this kid don't like me no more. I'm <laughs> done. No, you don't do that, right? You adjust Gotta and you try to evolve and figure out what it likes. So I will try to right now, because they're 14 and 11, just sit in the room. And there doesn't necessarily have to be any conversation. It could be that dead silence like it just was. I'm just sitting here. I'm just open. I'm here. And do you want to talk about? Don't want to talk about? You have to be willing to adjust to change because once your kids start to realize that you're not open to them saying anything, it's a wrap. Like, Facts. quick story. My daughter, when she finally realized she liked a boy. This is the 14-year-old daughter? <laughs> no, this is the 11-year-old. Oh. She knows who she is. <laughs> she's, the wild, she's the wild card. Not right? the wild card. <laughs> the wild card. <laughs> when she liked a boy, see, we were in the car, right, in the dad van. and She's in the back. And she's like, Daddy, I want to tell you something. But I don't want you to react like a teacher. (laughs) (laughs) You already know it's going to be bad. You already know, right? So, again, like we talked about prior, tone, delivery, (laughs) facial expressions. Yeah. I muted it all. I I, I turned it all off. I was like, what do you mean? Go ahead. Go ahead, baby. What do you want to talk about? So she begins to tell me about a boy she likes and, uh, you know, how, you know, she'd like for him to be, you know, her boyfriend. (laughs) The boyfriend. Mm. Uh, this was like fourth grade, fifth grade, maybe. <laughs> so, you know, in my mind, I'm going off like, girl, boyfriend, what are you talking about? Yeah. Uh oh, Kisa. Like, I'm going crazy, right? <laughs> Not with but, the you know, you got to keep the game face. So I'm like, all right, no, go ahead. What's his name? Da, 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 da. She's telling me about him, and I'm open to it. And so, you know, the whole time, I'm open to the conversation and not reacting the way I want to react in my brain. Mm-hmm. But I'm open to the point to where if she wanted to tell me anything further after today, She'd feel open telling me. Yeah. So we do all that. We get into the door. The second we bust into the door, we get into the door. She goes, Mommy, guess what? I finally told Daddy I had a boyfriend. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yo. <laughs> I'm like, hold up, Mommy. So you knew this whole time? Back to co-parenting, right? Like, why, did I, why am I the last to know? But you know, I tell that to say this. You know, if that happened without me committing to change, I would have been rigid. I would yeah. say, what do you mean, boyfriend? You can't have a boyfriend. Oh, and last she would heard of it. Now, last I would have ever heard of it in my life. Mm-hmm. And every boyfriend she would want to have in the future or had is a secret. Mm. Your kids are not not doing what you said to do because you said it. No, they're just going to hide it from you. Mm. Yep. So the more you make yourself available to the conversation that you're open to discussing it and you veer them in one way or the direction, well, have you thought about this? That makes it like you're open to change. So try not to be rigid. Try to be open and allow your kid to share what's happening i'm gonna piggyback off that our Mm -hmm. our, my son is nine years old but when he was seven he came home one day with a letter and he didn't Mm -hmm. give me the letter he gave his mom the letter and then his mom called me and was like hey come over we uh, you know we're just sitting down and we're having a conversation was like hey there's a letter here and we need to talk about this letter. There's this girl hmm. who wrote this letter to your son. Pimp, pimp. Mm-hmm. <laughs> pimp, pimp, yes. And guess what happened? She was 10. 
He was yeah. seven. Older mm. one. Oh, mm. Wow. Yes. Dibbling and dabbling early. <laughs> yes. Okay. Son got she, the juice. Hey. <laughs> so, so at that moment, I'm like, okay, so let, let's, okay, um, all right, I want to hear the letter because it's my son. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it's not like my daughter. So, I, I don't know. I'm kind of, I'm kind of a little different between boys and girls. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, I want to hear it. So, so she wrote the letter saying how much, you know what I'm saying? Oh, hey, you know, such and such. I want to go on an ice cream date. Mm. Now, and ice she, cream. yeah, ice cream date. And I'm like, so she pointed out the ice cream, the ice cream shop that she wanted to go to. So every time I go to that plaza, I see the ice cream shop, <laughs> yes. and automatically I'm thinking about my son going on a date. Like, yes. you know, I said, like, this is where my son's first date gonna be at. Mm. How does that make you feel? <laughs> this is your therapy session. I think that at the moment I'm like. Uh, let, let, let put a silent on it. I don't think my son really understand it. Right. So I'm like, you know what? I need to have a conversation with my son. And I did have a conversation with him about like, you know, talking to a girl, but I kind of put a silent on, on that letter, you know? And I was like, Hey, listen, I know you got the letter and I know you, you might think that what it is. So I took him on, I took him on a ice cream, on an ice cream date myself. Hey, listen, <laughs> let's go get some ice cream, bro. Like, let's go get some ice cream. And while we're sitting on there having ice cream, I'm talking to him because I want him to know that what, 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 what happened because at, at the age of seven that, that, that we were at and these kids at, you have to have that conversation because right. if not, it might happen in real life. No, you're right. Mm -hmm. you're absolutely Facts. Right. Facts. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Right. So I do want to ask this question because we know that, you know, even though that most, like you said, most fathers, you know, in this generation are stepping up doing their thing, but there are still some that aren't. So my question is, how do you, how, what is your, how do you feel about a, uh, a father who's not in their kid's life was essentially just a sperm donor? Mm. Mm. Oh man, that's a tough one. You make us look tough. bad. Oh, that's, that's first thing. But, um. Ah, you know, to to you know to get with the ladies, you know, is always quick to bash a bash a man on the situation, and I'm I'm a firm believer. You don't know the situations, even though you know, you know, you done you you did do something. You need to step up, but we don't know the situations. It's like because many situations, women make it hard enough for the men to step up to do what they need to, even though you know we men we once we do the deed, we need to take you know responsibility for our part. But you know, at the same at the same point, it, it makes me it makes me feel bad because it sets a bad example. You know, for the it sets for the kids, those younger men growing up, it sets that example of you know what? Let me not take responsibility for my actions, and that's what we we not need to do. Especially being black men in this country, we need to take ownership for our actions. We need to put ourselves basically, you know, raise the bar for ourselves a little higher than other people. Because with us, you know. You know, it's with the situation going on with us, we need to preserve us as much as possible, preserve our legacy, preserve, you know, um, our culture, wherever it's from. You know, you, you guys being, you know, Haitian American, I'm being Panamanian Pan American, you being Jamaican. Jamaican. You know, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of history, a lot of culture, a lot of stuff we need to preserve, preserve in this country, which we're being like slowly snuffed out. And then we need yes. to show our, show our young black men, you know, take responsibility. So, with men just being sperm donors, it, it makes me feel bad. It makes me feel a little resentful. But with cultures like, you know, with our culture stepping up, with brothers stepping up, with doing the right thing, you know, it's not as bad as that. It, like it used to when when I was growing up, that message would push 
so hard in our ears saying, you know, hey, you know, you're not going to make it to your 21. You probably mm-hmm. won't make it to your 17. Mm-hmm. So do the best you can. So, but for me, I just, you know, I would just send the message out, you know, do the right thing. You know, that's what we need to, even if, even if it's just that phone call, you know, like I had to learn, it's a phone call, is a text, do something, just check up on your kids. That's what they want to hear. They don't want money. They don't want your time. They just want that little piece of know, yeah. hey, that my dad out there cares for me. And that's all they want. I believe that I start with myself first. I start as a leader, me personally, because sometimes when you step to someone, they're looking at you and they're like, okay, so what you doing? Mm-hmm. So, uh, and then I look at my friends because, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I hold my friends in my condo before whatever action they take because guess what you're in I'm, I'm a leader of my environment and the people who are around me also i'm looking at you as an influence to me and not just me but my kids because i'm bringing my kids around you right. you know so you have to step up as a leader to do that but for the for the guys who are, don't know you know if you are going through the situation where where the, the mother of your child are putting you through ups and downs i pray for you you know what i'm saying i pray for you that 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 that, that person that god will, will allow the mom to open their eyes and said hey listen let the dad be dads you know because it's not just for you but you, but the moment that when you look at those situations you know I, I i think i think that for me I, I enjoy those, you know what I'm saying? I enjoy my situation knowing that I have role models around me, not just for me, not just me as a person, but my brothers, my friends, you know, like like when I have a birthday party for from, from my kids, like everyone is there. Yes. They're excited. Like, yes. I, I'm like, damn, mm-hmm. I thought they had a kid. Like, for real, mm-hmm. like, I feel like these guys had a kid and like they pick, they, they talk to my kids like kids. Like, for for example, Eddie, you know what I'm saying? Like, he, like I'm like, yo, listen, my, my son playing football and I'm like, listen, I'm out there training him and Eddie will pick up the phone, yo, man, listen, man, hey, listen, I'm coming, I'm coming to help you coach my son. You know what I'm saying? He ain't got no kids. He ain't got to do it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But that show you how much the people around you can influence not just you but your kids. And also, so I do hold my friends accountable as a father if they, beca- if they, if they have the opportunity to do that. You know what I'm saying? So hey, I always say, man, when you're going to have kids, but, but also the conversation will follow but like, hey, you have a child now, so what you going to do? Right. Are you going to be a father? You know what I'm saying? It's very, very important because I love kids. I love kids. Nobody really don't know much. I love kids. Like, I love, love, love kids. Yeah. It takes a village. Mm. Getting back to what you said, right? Mm. Eddie is a part of your village. And I, I don't necessarily down men who are not yet prepared to be fathers. Because we don't know where they are in this situation in their life. Like in my own situation, it took me time to adjust, to decide, to improve, to grow, and then become the man I wanted to be and the father I wanted to be. So I would say the first thing is, you know, every man knows that they can check themselves and ask, yo, where's your effort level at? Facts. Are you trying? Let's be real. Are you trying to see your, your son or daughter? Are you a babysitter? Or are you just not there? Mm. Right? So, like, every man can check themselves and see where the effort level is. So, I would say that's the first and foremost thing to, for every man to do. Check where you're at. And if your effort level isn't there, where do you want it to be? And then begin to move towards that direction. Because I think eventually, it, because it does take a village, even if that man is not prepared at that point in time, other people will step up. Because there are situations to where we can't necessarily say, yo, every man who has a kid, yo, step up and be a father. Because they're not 
they may not be that good at it. Mm-hmm. Some people can do more harm than good. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. If you try to rush and just do these things you think you're supposed to do and all of a sudden you beating kids because your dad beat you and you think that's what you're supposed to do. But no, you didn't stop and think, yo, am I just like repeating the same generational curses that happened mm-hmm. upon me? Or am I trying to engage and be a better person? So I don't think necessarily that we should fault fathers who aren't there at that point in time, but we should definitely ask them to check themselves and say, hey, what's your effort level at? Mm-hmm. And I got to praise my brother right here, uh, Marcos, because I've seen that effort level grow. And, you know, again, I don't use the term baby mamas because I don't necessarily like it. It's just a moniker that seems to have a negative connotation. But mother of my children, the mother, the mothers of his children may say different, but I've, I've seen growth from this man from high school to now, and I see that there's progress and at that point in time, at, from any human, all you can ask for is progress. And I just want to applaud that man for that. Thanks, man. I'm gonna piggyback right off you, man. Like for real, like and and and, and it <laughs> might be it might be in a different direction, but but when I look at some dads who just out there just popping bottles and stuff like yeah. that, yeah. and um, their friends around them just laughing and enjoying that moment, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? If you are a friend, I feel like you have to step up yes. to that person and be like, mm-hmm. hey, listen. And check Hey, them. yeah, you got to yeah. check them. Be like, hey, listen, we are here having fun, but I know you have a daughter. You know you have a son. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, why you ain't invite me to no birthday parties mm-hmm. or nothing like that? Right. Why I ain't see you poke? Right, you're right. Absolutely. Why well, ain't see you posting on picture of your kids? You're popping, you're posting picture of you just being out taking Snapchat, doing all that stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? Like you have to hold that that that, that person accountable. Like you know, you can't just love that person around when they only have popping bottles and stuff like that. You got you got to love them when they pick that child up and be like, hey, listen, oh, happy birthday. You mm-hmm. know, hey, this that seven days. You know, say because right. fatherhood is not just just today. It's every day, you know, yes. every day you wake up, it should be a lesson to you to move forward and be like, you know what? Hey, I was that age one at, at a time and I, there was someone who was there for me. If there was no one there for you, that should be a bigger motivation mm-hmm. for you to be a father in your kid's life to change that 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 legacy that you're trying to build. Mm-hmm. Uh, shout out to Nisi who dropped it on our co-parenting topic. The idea that if you are with someone who has kids and you allow them to show you that they are not there for them kids, that's your fault. You're not holding that person accountable. Mm-hmm. Right. You're not holding that person accountable to be a better parent. So you should be doing that. Same thing goes for friends, right? Mm-hmm. If you had a friend who, you know, hey, we're going to the club. They right there with the text response, right? Hey, my baby having a birthday party. Crickets, mm-hmm. right? Like, you know you know where that where lane that friend is at, mm-hmm. right? So, but in the same way, you mentioned something that, you know, again, hits home to what I said prior prior. We can't fault people who were raised in a household that was toxic. Because, like you just said, if you saw yourself grow up with a bad parent situation, right? You should want better for your kids. That doesn't always equal out that way. You saw yourself grow up in a bad parent household. So when you grow up, you don't know what good looks like. You don't know how to emulate that. You don't know how to reduplicate that. So all you know is what you've seen. I'm going to do exactly what my parents did for me. I came out all right. So it's, it's, and this is why we all do need a bit of therapy to understand where we want to go as opposed to where we've been and just working off of that bad wisdom and trying to find the right light to to walk into. So basically, like you said, to be prepared with that change. Knowing where that change, change, know where to make that change at. Mm -hmm. So. Mm-hmm, gotcha. Definitely. So, one final question before we end the session, and and you know there are new fathers, you know there are fathers that like you know right now going to the pregnancy phase, 
and there's fathers that like me who mean uh, people like men like me who want to become fathers, mm. you know, down the road. So, what advice would you guys give to even current fathers now, new fathers, and future fathers? Mm. A whole lot of prayer. <laughs> yes, <laughs> a whole lot of prayer. Start there. Patience and prayer. Those two things they they will get you through anything you need. Precious and prayer because. With kids nowadays, you know, kids will do everything. They'll, they'll, they'll test that nerve. They'll run that nerve. Even even with the, you know, if you're dealing with their mothers or their fathers, you know, that patient with the other, that other parent, co-parenting, you need patience, especially just to get through those moments because sometimes they're going to they gonna try to, they're going to they gonna run that one nerve. Mm-hmm. So you're going to need patience to deal with them. But especially with new fathers, you know, you, you know, you got to have patience. You're not going to know everything to begin with. You know that nobody has the book on raising a child. Nobody had made yes. a test book yet that that said this is right. the this is the format. So with every every new child, especially with me having four kids, every kid was different. different. It, you have to have patience. You got you have to know because one person could be asymptomatic, the other person could be be symptomatic. So you gotta have patience to know how, you know, how to raise them, what will be good for them, you know, and therefore. So I would say patience. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. I would definitely say, like, just understand the level of being a parent. You know, like, you're never gonna, as 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 as, as my man said, you nobody have the book of, of of fatherhood. You know, or what it takes to raise a child. But you definitely you understand by you being a kid and you watch you watch other fathers being fathers and other mothers being mothers. You know, so so I think that. Don't have kids just to have kids. Just like, man, I have a son, I have a daughter. Just, just, just you trying to follow suit. You know, understand that having kids is going to be a responsibility and learn what responsibility is because it's not the same as, as buying a house because you can buy a house and you go in foreclosure and you could give that house back. You know, yes. like when you have yes. kids, you cannot give it back. Oh. It's yours. It's your name is on it. It's your legacy. It's your, ch- just like yourself. When you look at yourself, you are someone child. You know, like when you become someone child, you're gonna be someone child forever until you passed away. And even if you pass away before your mom or dad, they still always gonna acknowledge you. That was my second child. You know, that's my third child. You know, so always remember that 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 um that, that those are very important before saying, hey, listen, I just want a child. Make sure that you are ready. And a lot of time, people say, man, you never know if you're gonna be ready. But I'm not talking about I'm not talking about being financial ready. But I'm mm-hmm. talking about being mentally ready yes. for, for a child because mm-hmm. that's very big. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, just getting back to, you know, prayer, uh, you know, if, if you're a believer, if you're not, you know, I would just uh, I would just encourage anyone to, f- to find him earlier than, than later. You know, uh, he's not that far because eventually, you know, you are going to want some sound doctrine some sound wisdom advice to work on because if you were not in a nuclear household where you both your parents were there and they were fully positive and productive you do not have a playbook right so the playbook uh has been written for us in the bible and you can refer to that to align your discipline and everything you want to do for that new coming baby with sound doctrine so that you know you're putting and setting their path straight you know, Proverbs 3, 5 says, you know, trust in the Lord with all your heart and mind and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways. Submit to him. and He will make your path straight. So if that promise is there for you. You can select it for yourself. Amen. Mm-hmm. So 
with that being said, if you are not a believer and this is not your lane, I would say you still need wisdom, though. You need that village. You need to find and locate the people around you currently who will be here to rear this child. Now, you know, it's not just about, are right, you going to babysit my kids? Or, you know, you're going to take me to the store. Like, it, it, it does involve a lot of that. And I'll be honest, you know, it does involve people willing to sacrifice. Your friends who just were party animals, they should be able to sacrifice with you and be like, yo, I'm going to help you out. You know, I have right. some boys who are willing to help out, drop rides and watch kids. And you got to be able to have that village. And so if you are if you are looking for a kid that is coming soon, you have a kid or you are looking to see if how you can raise your kid, I will always point you to the Bible. But ultimately, you should always look to the people around you to be the role model that you are also so that it is a consistent example of who they want to be in this world. And with that being said, man, I want to thank you, fellas, for uh, jumping in and fatherhood. And I think it's important for for the world to hear that, you know, not only that fathers are stepping up, but black fathers, black men in America are stepping up. And even though that. Some of us didn't come from the best parenting style and, 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 and uh, background, but we're striving to become better, mm-hmm. right? We're striving to become better as men and uh, as fathers. You guys are right now, and hopefully one day I become a, uh, one of those fathers as well. Yes, so, Lord willing. Yeah, yeah, Lord willing, God willing. So appreciate the time, man. Fellas, thank you very much. You know, and we're going to wrap this up, man. Just stuck up the thing. Again, shout out to CEO Drisky for letting me host this session. And y'all be easy, man. Stay, stay blessed. All right. Deuces. Ah. Every time I call, it's the same thing. You got to be on the phone with your lane. Are you the Shauna? My daughter.